really good to see all of you. It's good to be here. I'm Greg Boyd. I'm a teaching pastor at the church. I, I first want to give a warning here. I've been uh, uh, under this cold. I had this cold for the last couple days, uh, and um, uh, so if I ever if I break into a coughing fit, just ignore me. I'll, I'll get back on track after a while. My wife is into these uh, oils that heal, and so I've been ODing on thieves and peppermint and these things. It's like, but you know what? Those things are pretty awesome, actually. Uh, I, 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 I feel, I, like I'm surprised how good I feel. So, but I still uh, covet your prayers to make it through this. So we're starting a new series here on, uh, on, on the kingdom of God. And uh, the reason is because you may have noticed we're in this election season. And is it not a bizarre election season? <laughs> uh, it, 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 if you haven't been following the news, uh, good for you. <laughs> I had, I, you're lucky. If you have been following this, uh, it, it, it is, it is, it, it's like um, the craziest, most twisted, uh, lewd and crude, sometimes hilarious, often shocking reality TV shows anyone's ever created. You, you couldn't make this stuff up. It's, it, it's, it's just, and now there's all a scandal going on every day. You got, you know, the scandal of the emails versus the scandal of the groping man and, and, and all the, and, and it's like the, a, a terrible country western song. That's what this election cycle's like. It's just been wild and crazy. And for a lot of folks, maybe a majority of folks, uh, the race is really about which candidate do you deplore less than the other one? <laughs> which is kind of weird because I, you know, the Democratic process, I thought, was supposed to produce like the two most popular candidates. Uh, both of these folks have uh, the highest unfavorability rating of any candidate in history. They both broke the record. Uh, and, and so it's like it's a race to the bottom. It, it's, it's just bizarre. And it's got some people freaking out, frankly. Um, it, it, people are going apocalyptic on us, end of time sort of stuff. Uh, just the other day, Thursday, Donald Trump was talking about how there may be a conspiracy going on between the political establishment, you know, and, and Hillary Clinton, and even Paul Paul Ryan, who's the head of his own party, is is perhaps in on this. Which is, if you think about, how did that ever happen? Uh, and and uh, uh, that uh, the future of America, whether we get freedom or not, depends on him being elected. And um, even civilization itself depends on him being elected because he's the only one who can fix it. If you don't believe him, just ask him. Uh, and it's 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 you know freaking everyone out. And then, so that, that, that kind of fear trickles down. I just got on Google a little bit today and just wanted to find out what people are saying about the two candidates. And whew, people are freaking out. You've got some folks who are saying, you know, things like this, where if, if Trump is elected, uh, it's basically the end of the world. He's going to start World War III against the Muslims, probably, and all the female interns in the White House are going to have to wear skimpy bikinis or something. And, and Hillary, if she gets elected, well, she's going to declare war on Christians, and anyone who speaks out against, she's going to imprison anyone who speaks out against homosexuality or abortion or, or having a private email service. Uh, but then again, if Trump gets elected, well, you know, it, it, he could possibly blow up England with a nuclear bomb because the queen uh, in Insulted his hairdo, you know, and, and but if Hillary is elected, well, she's going to put six 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 in everyone's forehead and drink the blood of martyred Christians and then transform into the the beast of Revelation thirteen. It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much of one, really. Go check it out; it's really entertaining, uh, a little bit disconcerting. Yeah, it, it's it's just it's like the whole country needs to take get a prescription of Valium or something. It's just getting a little out of control. But we thought, given this craziness, this swirling twilight zone circus that we find ourselves in, it'd be a good teaching opportunity to talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom that we are called to represent. 
because it contrasts with all the different kingdoms of the world. One of the advantages of this crazy, nasty, brutal election cycle we're in is I'm finding more churches are talking about the kingdom of God as distinct from the kingdoms of this world. I mean, it, it, so it has the advantage of, it's, it's easier to make the contrast now than it, than it sometimes is. And I see far less Christians jumping on the bandwagon of one candidate or the other. So that's good news. I just hope it lasts because our theology shouldn't depend on the weather of the politics of the land that we're in. Uh, but uh, the kingdom of God contrasts with all versions of the kingdom of the world and not just during elections. It's fundamentally different. The kingdom of God, uh, it, uh, one of its key attributes is that it transcends all the boundaries and walls and barriers that humans set up to divide one another. Uh, across political lines, ideological lines, gender lines, racial lines, national lines. The kingdom of God transcends all that. So we're entitling this whole series Without Borders. Without Borders. And tonight I'm going to focus on our president, our king. And we just sang about him. Uh, our Lord is Jesus Christ, the president of the kingdom of God. So Lord, anoint this message. Come down here, fill this place. Uh, bless everyone who's listening in this auditorium and online. Give me the strength to get through this. I rebuke anything in the spiritual realm that would try to uh, be, make me a distraction with coughing. And uh, Lord, I ask your healing presence to come into my lungs and let your word go forth. Give us open hearts to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So let's talk about what a kingdom is. A kingdom is a king's dome. Kingdom, king's dome. It's the domain over which someone is king. That's the king's dome. Whatever domain of authority this king has. Uh, the kingdom of God, therefore, is the dome over which God is king. Uh, when, when people submit their lives to him, they come into the dome over which he is king. He rules there, and they've surrendered to that rule. That makes you a kingdom person. The kingdoms of this world, by contrast are the domes over which anyone other than God is king. So you have the kingdom of God, dome over which God is king, and the kingdoms of the world, which are domes over which anyone other than God is king. And by king, I just mean any kind of ruler, whoever has the most influence in that area. Uh, now to see the significance of that difference, we've got to go back to the, big, the beginning, and the little cartoon thing that we saw uh, set, sets us up for this. In Genesis 1, when God creates human, human beings, uh, he gives us a dome over which we are to be lords. Uh, and the dome is the earth and the animal kingdom. This is our domain of responsibility, domain of our authority. Our job is to uh, reflect the character of God, the servant character of God, by how he takes care of the earth and the animals. That's the dome over which we are king. But notice that God didn't ever tell us to reign over one another. We're to rule the earth and the animal kingdom, but not over one another. And... The fundamental reason for that is because we're all made in the image of God. And as the, the cartoon showed, the image of God in the ancient Near East was applied only to kings. And that's why God calls us. It's one of the reasons why he calls us in the image of God. Uh, we're to be rulers. And rulers aren't su subject to other rulers. Not of their same kind anyway. A king can't be made a slave of a, of, of, a, of a different king and still be a king. And so we're to honor each one's imago Dei in Latin. It's the image of God. Everyone on the planet, the human being, deserves the respect and honor of a king and a queen. Uh, in God's original design, God alone was to be over us. God, God alone wanted to be our, the, the ruler of the whole cosmos. And then we have a, like a, a mini kingdom here, and we're, and we're to submit what we do to him. So that's God's original design. There weren't supposed to be any kind of lording over. Now, when God called Israel out of Egypt and began to form that people into a nation... 
he initially didn't want them to have any kings. He forbid them to have any kings because he wanted to put on display to uh, the other nations something of his original ideal of having people living under his loving lordship and not under the rule of any other human. So they weren't allowed to have a king. Then, um, well, that works fairly well for a couple hundred years. Uh, actually, it didn't work all that well, but that's a different story. Uh, but, but there came a point where Israel got insecure, and they wanted a king. Uh, they, 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 they just found it was really hard to put all their trust in an invisible ruler. And so when we get to the time of Samuel, Samuel was the last of the really great prophets who, who uh, had the leadership role in Israel, um, and his sons were not very good, and so people were getting nervous. And so we read this in 1 Samuel 8. It says, The Israelites said to Samuel, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. So now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. We want to be like the other nations. They're supposed to contrast with all the nations, but they want to be just like the other nations. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Now God gives them a second chance. He tells Samuel, you go back and you tell them, if you get a king, it'll be worse than it is now. So we read this in 1 Samuel 19. Samuel goes and tells him all the nasty things that this king's going to do, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. Notice here that the thing that's driving this need for a human king is fear. Uh, they're insecure. They're trying to follow a, an invisible God, but they're surrounded by armies, Assyria and Babylon and Egypt, and they're very visible. And so they're getting nervous. And so that fear is saying, we need a visible ruler who will be a warrior who will lead us and protect us and, and rally the troops and things like that. So it's driven by fear. But more importantly, notice this. In demanding a human king, Israel is rejecting God as king. And putting their trust in a human ruler, God, the people of Israel are rejecting God as their ruler. That's why the Lord says here to Samuel, they aren't rejecting you, they're rejecting me. The process of putting their trust in a human ruler is identical to the process of rejecting God as a ruler. And I want us to think about the implications of that. Um, they are radical. They are radical. If we get what's going on here, it's a game changer. It's a paradigm crusher. And if you've never heard this message or something like this before, it's going to probably challenge some things. And I just want to encourage you to keep an open mind and hear it out. Because it will fundamentally change the way you view not only our government, but all governments. Because what, what this passage is, is teaching is that trusting in human rulers is equivalent to rejecting God as ruler. And Jesus says you can't have two masters. We're either finding our security in God as our king, or we find our security in some kind of human rulership. But you can't do both. To do one is to reject the other. So it means, folks, that all systems of government in which some rule over others, and that's, that's true of all kinds of governments, it's just particular ways of some people ruling over others, all of them are predicated on the rejection of God as king. Every system of a human being ruling over another 
is anchored in, it's founded in a rebellion against God as king. Every form of government is fundamentally predicated on the sin of insecurity and not trusting God as king. And so you clamor for other sources of security, other sources of protection. All of it, every, every bit of it, however good the system may be compared to others, it's all based on a mistrust of God as king. Now, some people, folks listening, whether they're here in the auditorium or maybe podcast, uh, some Americans may be thinking, well, yeah, that's, that's true of other nations. All those other nations, they don't trust God and they're ungodly and they do nasty stuff. But America is exceptional because America was founded as a Christian nation and it was based on trusting God. Just check out your coins, right? It says, in God we trust, right there. So America is the exception. You don't seem like you buy that one. Uh, I hope you can see that without getting into any kind of debate about what the founding fathers did or did not mean because it's irrelevant. The very fact that America has a government means in God we don't trust because if America or any other nation put all of its trust in God, you wouldn't need a government. And the governments are all based on this, 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 this um, mistrust. What confirms that is that the establishing of American government and America as a distinct nation, the establishing of that was about as ungodly and as violent as is typical of nations when they found themselves as nations and, 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 and create governments. Uh, there's ungodliness and violence. We learn from Jesus that whenever you have people, he's, a, he's the walking, talking, spitting image of what it looks like to be the kingdom of God. He's the dome of which God is king, 100%. And so from him we learn that where God rules, people are growing in their capacity to have an indiscriminate love, to reflect the Father's love toward all others, an indiscriminate love. It doesn't differentiate between who you're going to love and who you're not going to love. And so where God reigns, you have a people who are learning how to even love their enemies and bless their enemies. And, and where God reigns, you have a people who are putting off all violence, swearing off all violence, and, 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 and not oppressing others. Where God rules, you have a people who, who love all people equally and therefore never lord over one another, which is why Jesus explicitly forbids that for kingdom people. Out there in the world, he says, people lord over one another, but it shall not be so among you because we're, we're made in the image of the servant God and we're, and we're in the kingdom of the servant God and so we serve one another, not try to reign over one another. But the kingdoms of this world, wherever humans rule other humans, it never looks like that. It never looks like Christ. Wherever humans rule over other humans, you find people developing an us-them mindset. There is no exception to this, an us mindset. And with that us-them mindset... Uh, what you have is people who clearly discriminate in their love. Uh, they love those who are for them, and they hate those who are against them, and they don't bless their enemies, they kill their enemies, and they don't swear off violence, they use violence whenever it's convenient to use, and they're always lording over other people. Uh, it, the definition of the kingdom of the world is that it's about, about who gets to lord over who. It's been that way since the fall. Uh, where Adam and Eve start to try to lord over one another. That's just the nature of the kingdom of this world. And so it was this way with the establishing of American government. We were founded on, in part, by the importing and enslaving millions of Africans to get wealthy on the blood of their backs. Um, and, and we were founded, in part, on this whole-scale slaughtering of indigenous people uh, and breaking every treaty we ever made with them. And, and then America was partly established through this you know, our, our, our slaughtering of thousands and thousands of, of fellow Christians who happen to be British, but we didn't want to pay taxes to the queen. 
I don't recall Jesus ever doing anything like that. And, and, and so, and, and it's been that way since. It's, it's, a, it's a version of the kingdom of the world. And so violence and hostility, is, it's just kind of, it's in the character of things. And so there's been oppression and violence ever since the founding of this country. I, I, I read this this week, that in the 240 years that America has existed, we've had a total of 16 years where we weren't at war with somebody somewhere. Total of 16 years. Uh, and it's not, I'm not saying that America is exceptionally terrible. I'm just saying it's a part of the kingdom of the world. Because this is what's typical for kingdoms of this world. So the idea that we are founded as a Christian nation, or that any nation can be founded as a, tip, as, a, as a Christian nation, is just a contradiction in terms. To be Christian, if it means anything, means you're putting your trust in God. You're trusting in God alone. And uh, nations and their governments, by definition, are founded on the mistrust of God. That's why they have the governments. And that's why they have people ruling over other people. Now, I, I imagine if, if uh, you're here and, and you're a patriotic sort, right now this can be agitating you. It's like, you're not honoring our great country. And I don't mean to dishonor our country, and I really do love America. I'm just saying it's, it's a version of the kingdom of the world. And therefore, it's predicated on mistrusting God. And that's why we, we get so hot and bothered about who's going to have the rule here. So much is at stake in this. And, and, and so I'm sorry if that's offensive. Um, but I have to tell you, it's going to get a whole lot worse. So buckle your seatbelt and try to keep an open mind. Because it's actually far worse than I just said. Here's what a lot of people don't understand. Is that when we step outside the dome over which God is king, because we no longer trust in him as king, we not only step into some dome or other where humans are ruling, but we also step into a giant dome over which God's arch enemy, Satan, is ruling. And I know that may sound extreme, but stay tuned, because this is exactly what the Bible teaches. So when Jesus was in the wilderness, he's being tempted... One of the temptations that the devil threw at him was this. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor because it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Satan here claims to own all of the authority and all the splendor of the kingdoms of this world. He's, he owns all, all these kingdoms. And he can give them to whoever he wants. Now, Jesus rejects that, that, that offer of political power. He could have had all that political power. But he rejects it as a temptation of the enemy. Which is kind of interesting because that's the very same power that so many Christians are clamoring to get. But Jesus rejects it. But he doesn't dispute. Notice, he doesn't dispute that Satan actually has authority over all the kingdoms of this world. He doesn't dispute that. In fact, everything that Satan says in, this, in the temptations is true. It's just that he wants Jesus to apply these truths in the wrong way. So the reality is that Satan is the reigning ruler of, of all the kingdoms of this world. He's the CEO of all the kingdoms of this world. And if that sounds really extreme, I'll just tell you this. It's not only in this passage that we find this. You find this throughout the New Testament. So, for example, I'll give you a little slice here. Uh, we, we learn that uh, Jesus three times calls Satan the ruler of this world. R.K. R.K. referred to uh, whoever was boss in a certain region. It was a political term. Whoever's boss in a certain region uh, is, is the R.K. And so Jesus three times says that the R.K. of this world is Satan. 
Paul calls him the God of this age and the principality and power of the air. The God of this age, principality and power of the air. Uh, the air in the, in the ancient uh, first century cosmology, the air was the, 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 the domain of authority that was closest to the earth. And so it's Paul's way of saying that in the domain of authority that's closest to this earth, that's over this earth, uh, the, the reigning principality in power is Satan. He's, he's the one who's got the most power. And if it covers the whole earth, it certainly covers all the kingdoms of this world. And then we find John saying, this is wild, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. And if the whole world lies under the power, then clearly all the nations lie under the power of the evil one. And Satan is called the destroyer in the book of Revelation. He's the destroyer who deceives all the nations. That's why all the nations have this destructive tendency. It's because they're ruled by the one who is the destroyer. And then we read that all earthly governments are, are part of Satan's government, Satan's kingdom. They're all different versions of that. And in Revelation, Babylon is, is, is the symbol for uh, the kind of the political wing of, of, of Satan's empire. And Babylon rules all of the nations, it says, and deceives all the nations with, with her sorcery. And that sorcery in the book of Revelation is the quest for power to impose your will on others. It's the, it's the quest for, for coercive power. And in all the kingdoms of this world, that's what people are going for. Who gets the right to impose your will on others? Because, of course, your will is superior to other people's will, and your morality is superior to other people's morality, and your ideas are smarter than other people. So with the best of intentions, you want to impose your will on others. And that's in the very structure, the very nature of all versions of the kingdom of God. So, folks, we've got to lock it in that, that uh, as a matter of fact, Satan is the principality of power, the ruler, the God over the kingdoms of this world. All of them. That would include ours. Satan's the commander-in-chief of every one of those. Now, I, I know that if you've never heard that before, it probably sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory. Where, what tabloid did you get that out of? Satan is controlling all the governments of this world. It sounds like a giant conspiracy theory. In a sense, it is. But this is the one true one, okay? This is the one true conspiracy theory you can believe in. There really is a cosmic evil being out there that's exercising tremendous influence on all the kingdoms of this world. And it's not a theory. It's a revealed fact. I just showed you that. So you can stop worrying about all those other conspiracy theories. This one trumps them all. Excuse the pun. Uh, this is... Who cares if the Illuminati are trying to take over the world or if, if the Masons or the, you know, the Rosicrucians or, or, or Hillary Clinton and, and the liberal media and, and Paul Ryan for crying out loud. If you know this about the world, everything else would be a yawn. You know? This is the big one. And it's true. It doesn't mean that every, every version of the kingdom of the world is as bad as every other. It doesn't mean that every form of government is equally demonic. Of course not. Some are clearly more humane and more just than others. Thank God for that. But it does, at the very least, mean that none of them are Christian. And it does mean, at the very least, that all of them are under a perpetual strong influence of evil. Which, by the way, should probably mean that we should stop being surprised when, when governmental leaders turn out to be nasty, brutes, they lie. Who would have thought? They lie, and there's deceiving, and there's hypocrisy, and they're arrogant, and sometimes they're narcissistic, and they're megalomaniac, and, and, and all of that. Well, look, at if Satan is the CEO of the operation, it's kind of what you should expect, right? In fact, we should just be really surprised and impressed when we find a politician who, who is, is morally upright and, and honest and straight-talking and, 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 and humble. Uh, if you ever find one. Because <laughs> especially considering that they are in a system 
that has a continual influence of evil. To stay, to keep your heart requires tremendous effort. And I've heard politicians testify about that. Um, but we shouldn't be surprised when, in fact, they turn out to be ineffective and corrupt and hypocritical and the rest. The most important point for us to remember, though, however, is this. Because Satan is over all the versions of the kingdom of this world, it means, at the very least, folks, that those of us who are in the kingdom of God, who are followers of Jesus, should never put our trust and hope in any version of that. In fact, I, 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 the, the defining mark of a kingdom person, now listen to this, the defining mark of a kingdom person is that you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your Lord, your King, and you give all authority to him and put all your hope and trust in him. That's why you're under the dome in which he's king, because you're saying you are king. So that means by definition that we're not putting our trust in any human authority or any human form of government. What it means to belong to the kingdom of God is that all your trust and hope is in Jesus alone. What it means to belong to the kingdom of God is that Jesus alone is your king. Jesus alone is your president. Jesus alone is your commander-in-chief. Jesus alone is your RK. Jesus alone is the CEO of your life, the master planner of your life, the one that you put all your trust in. What it means to be in the kingdom of God is that, that you are committing to, to getting... Letting Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone be the source of all your confidence, the source of all your security, the source of all your peace. Jesus Christ alone is the source of your identity, the source of your joy, the source of, of, of your hope for the future, the source of your love. And see, it, it's by trusting Jesus alone as to be the source of all those things that we're transformed into his image, that we become the, the, the image of God bearers that we were created to be. It's by trusting in him alone and not in any other source for peace and, and for love and for joy, that we're empowered to live out this kingdom. And so Jesus Christ is, is uh, sub submitting everything to him and trusting in him alone. That is what makes us a kingdom person, and that is what empowers us to live out the kingdom life. Amen? Amen. And see, because, because we, we now are under a different dome and following a different ruler, because of that, it means we're not in any other dome and we're not submitted to any other ruler. You can't serve two masters. So we're to see ourselves, and the New Testament talks like this. Since we're under the dome which God is king, we're to, we're to see ourselves as, as aliens and exiles. Uh, we're to see ourselves as, as citizens and members of the household of God. That's our tribe. Our, our, our tribe, our identity our us-ness shouldn't be anchored in the broader culture. It should be anchored in the fact that we belong to the household of God. Our citizenship is in heaven. It's not in whatever country that you're born in or happen to be living in now. And we are Christ's ambassadors. We're, we represent him. We're, we're, we're to be uh, those who are here to show forth the character and the ways of our king and the kingdom that we represent. So we're here. We're missionaries in, in a foreign land. We're ambassadors in a foreign land. And we've got to always remember that. No ambassador to a foreign country would ever consider the foreign country to be their own country or be citizens of that country because if they were citizens of that country, they couldn't be ambassadors of their, the country they're ambassadors of. And so also, if, if we're ambassadors of Christ, citizens of heaven, we have to always remember that this isn't our, 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 our home. Uh, we're here on assignment. We're here on a, on a mission. And, and we can never consider this our, our citizenship, our, our hometown. And... No ambassador would ever get overly involved in the affairs of the, the, the foreign land because they're to be preoccupied with the affairs of being an ambassador for their land and for their king. And so also kingdom people should never get overly involved 
and, and, and overly concerned with the affairs of this foreign country because we've got the affairs of Jesus Christ to be thinking about and the mission that we're, we're, we're given from him and assignment that we have on us. That's why Paul says that a good soldier doesn't become entangled in civilian affairs but is always seeking to please uh, his commanding officer. So folks, while it's understandable that citizens of this country would, 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 would fret and sweat and holler and scream and curse and condemn others over who is going to be the ruler of this land. While that, you can understand why that happens. It should not be happening with, with us because we're to remember that our one president is Jesus Christ. And, and the nice thing about him is you don't have to fret and sweat about him. You don't have to holler and scream to defend him. You don't have to you know, condemn and curse anybody because, folks, uh, his, his, his reign is not contested. <laughs> his reign is going unchallenged. It, it, it's there. In fact, it's, it, it's already been established. Uh, and it will never end. He's the one who gave his life for us on the cross. And then God raised him from the dead and seated him. Uh, at his right hand, which is simply a way of saying in, in, a, in a, the authoritative position. And he gave him, in Philippians 2, it says, a name which is above every name, which means an authority that's above every authority. And so his kingdom will come to no end. It's not contested. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. He reigns on high. And so, folks, for us, uh, we're to have one king, we're to have one, one, one lord. And he, he's the king of kings, and he's the lord of lords. And his reign will never end. Keep all your eyes fixed on him. Put all your hope, put all your trust in him. We're to have one ruler and one ruler only, and that's Jesus Christ, who's risen from the dead and sitting at the right hand of God. And so we're to have all of our hope and all of our trust put on him and put on him alone. And when I say all, I mean all. I don't mean 20% or 50% or most of it, 99% even. I mean all. We're either all in or we're not. And, 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 and so our hope is to be built on nothing less. Our hope, our trust built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? And it's on him alone. Amen? Interesting thing is, in this foreign land that we happen to find ourselves ambassadors in, <coughs> in this foreign land that we find ourselves ambassadors in, it's a land where they ask our opinion. Uh, who do you think should rule the land? And um, it's called a vote. And if God allows you to do that, go ahead and do that. Um, Paul didn't have any hesitation about, about voicing his rights. As a, a Roman citizen, one time he told these guys, you can't beat me because I'm a Roman citizen. So he voiced his rights. You got it? If you, if you feel like you're allowed to use it, then use it. But I encourage you to be very careful about that. Realize that in every culture, there is sort of a civic religion. It holds the culture together. And in any religion, you've got rituals. It kind of symbolized that either you're in or you're out. And uh, one of the symbols of the national religion in America is voting. Another one is standing for the star-spangled banner or the Pledge of Allegiance. And if you don't participate in those rituals, you, know, you, you can see that they have a religious quality to them because if you don't do them, people look at you, I'm talking from experience here, very strange, sometimes hostile. You're not, you're not one of us, are you? You're an alien. And the thing about that religious dimension to the kind of the ritual of, of voting and, and other things, is that there's a lure to it. There's, there's a buy-in to it. It's like we're celebrating the us-ness here, and, and it, it can suck you in. And it can happen that without you even noticing it, you're sucked into the venom and the hostility and the toxicity of the political air that we breathe. And if, 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 if you find that happening, I encourage you to abstain. Just abstain from it. This is why I abstain from it. It's not a doctrine, it's a personal thing, but I feel like I'm supposed to abstain from it. And it's really tempting this, 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 this time around. It's so tempting. And everyone I know is saying, oh, you should. And it's like, no, I really feel like I'm not supposed to. Because of course I've got opinions. 
But see, if I act on those, if I act on what I found in the past, I'm like an alcoholic, you know, I, if, I, if I put my toe in the door by taking the trouble to go out and cast my vote, I, I have trust in it. I have some hope in it. I want my candidate to win because my candidate is, is, is got, has got smarter ideas and cares more than the other candidate. And the minute I think that, I start to get hostile attitudes towards all those people who are following that other candidate who's got stupid ideas and doesn't care as much. And now my kingdom heart is being compromised and my kingdom allegiance is being compromised. I don't have all my trust and all my hope in Jesus Christ. I can't do it. If you can, then, then fine. If you got permission, then I can't tell you not to. But, but be, be, be careful about that. Um, and, 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 and I encourage you to, as, as you do that, remind yourself, even as you're doing it, remind yourself that you are a citizen of heaven, not of this land. And whatever the outcome of this, this election is, they're not your president. You don't have any horses in this race because you've already got your president, right? And, 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 and you don't have two. Now, of course, whoever's president, we're going to obey him and honor him because our president tells us to do that, but we do it for Christ's sake, not because this person has any authority over us. And, and so remind yourself of that. You don't have any horses in this race. Now, maybe if you're thinking, well, if I don't have any horses in this race, why would I take the trouble to vote? Well, that's your problem, not mine, because I don't vote. So there, <laughs> how's that? But the truth is, folks, we, 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 we already have our president. And um, uh, he, he's been already inaugurated with the resurrection. And one of the many advantages of having Jesus as your only president is this. That, you know, this person who you put your total trust and hope in, you never have to worry about their, their reputation being tarnished because of some email scandal or some groping scandal. Hallelujah. Uh, he has shown his character to us on the cross. He's proven himself to be faithful time and time again. Uh, he is a God of invariant love. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not taking any opinion polls and won't change any of his opinions based on popularity. He's for everyone. He's against no one. He does everything in service to others, never in service to himself. Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, put all your eggs in that basket. Put all your hope and trust in that basket. Pledge allegiance to, to, to that king and to no other. Because he alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? So I have a very important question for us to, a to ask as I close. And it's this. It's very simple. Is all your hope and all your trust in Jesus Christ? And is all your allegiance to Jesus Christ and to his kingdom? Or do you find that some of your trust, at least, and some of your hope has been transferred to this version of the kingdom of the world or some other version of the, of the kingdom of the world? And, and you're finding that you really do have an investment in the human ruler of this land. Um, and a good way to get at that question, to be honest about this, Holy Spirit helps us to be honest, but a good way to ask that question is this. Do you find yourself having hostile thoughts and attitudes towards those who disagree with your political opinions? Um, it's okay to be baffled by it. You know, you're allowed to do that. To like, I don't get how anyone could possibly, you know, that's fine. That's just, but there should be no hostility there. Because we're to have, we're called to have, it's a defining mark of the kingdom person, an indiscriminate love, to love like the rain falls and like the sun shines, without pick and choosing. We only know one thing about strangers, and that is that they were with Jesus dying for, and our most fundamental call as disciples is to agree with God about that and ascribe unsurpassable worth to them, because that's what God says they're worth when he died for them. Do you have hostile thoughts? Uh, or do you have anxiety? Maybe even all out fear, as so many do right now in this country. Fear about this, the outcome of this election. And see, if you have hostile, if you have hostile thoughts and you're finding that you have anxiety, 
Well, folks, it's an indication that you've bought in. You, you've, you've drinking at least some of the Kool-Aid. Uh, you're, you're breathing the toxic atmosphere. To some degree, you've transferred, and you didn't know it, probably. It's very, most people don't know it, but you've transferred some of your allegiance from Jesus Christ over to this system. And the system is based on, founded on, rooted in a mistrust of God as ruler. And it's ruled by, by sinful humans, fickle humans, imperfect humans. Best of intentions, no doubt, but it's ruled by these fickle humans. And uh, it, it's, it's ultimately ruled by the principality and power of the air. So if your trust is in that system, you're going to have anxiety. <laughs> How could you not? You're going to have some fear. That's, the system runs on that. And the proof of that is just turn on your television. The media right now, is, it bombards us with both all hostile material and fearful material. That's, that's what makes news. And so the, the, the one station will just build up your hostility and anger at the stupidity of the other. You listen to the other station, and they'll be building up your hostility and anger towards the stupidity of those people. And everybody's pushing the fear button. End of the world. If he gets elected, if she gets elected, it's going to be... So how could you not freak out if you got any investment there? I encourage you not to have any investment there. Uh, I love this verse. In, 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 it's one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 26. It says, he's praying to the Lord, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Now Isaiah is writing this at a time where Assyria is about to attack Israel. And Assyria was the most vicious, ruthless, bloodthirsty nation on the planet at the time. In fact, it's one of the most bloodthirsty nations ever in history. It's brutal. They're facing this horrendous enemy. They don't have anything that could ever match it. And in the midst of this, while everyone else is freaking out, Isaiah gets this revelation that you can have perfect peace and your mind can be steadfast when your trust is on Yahweh, when your trust is on Jesus, who is the embodiment of Yahweh. To the degree that our eyes are fixed and our heart is fixed and our trust and hope is anchored in Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, whose reign will never end. Uh, you can have a perfect peace. Regardless of what's going on around you, mayhem's going on around you, uh, you can have a perfect peace. But to the degree that your attention is not on Jesus, your heart is not fully on Jesus, your trust and hope is not fully on Jesus, to that degree, you're going to have hostility, you're going to have anger, you're breathing that air, you're, you're, you're visiting that dome, and that dome's polluted from the ground up. And so if, if you find that that kind of characterizes you, we make a choice right now. And it is the choice. It is, it's easier to trust invisible leaders than invisible ones. I, I'll grant that. It's easier. It's just common sense. And we've been culturally conditioned in that way on top of all that. But this is, this is what it is to be in the kingdom of God. We make a, a choice. I'm going to let that go. And maybe you need to stop watching so much TV. Maybe you need to stop reading the newspaper. I, you know, I, I just talked to a guy who just said uh, he, he's fasting from all of it. You know, because it, it, it can pollute you. Um, uh, and, 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 and so just let it go and say, I will... Trust in Jesus. I don't have to know how things are going to work out. I don't have to know how things are going to go down. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I want to close with a sort of spontaneous liturgical prayer, all right? Uh, call and response prayer. So would you stand? And when I'm done, I want you to know that, that uh, if you uh, have, are here and have any need whatsoever that could use prayer, I encourage, <coughs> excuse me, I encourage you to come up here and pray with our prayer teams. If the prayer teams would come up, I'd appreciate that. Uh, they would really love to minister to you. And if you're here tonight and you've never surrendered yourself to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but there's something pulling on you, I encourage you to give into that and come up here and talk to these folks about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to come under the dome over which he is king. 
Now, I'll just pray here, and I'll pray a line. Then, then will you, if this is your prayer, if you agree with this, then pray it back, all right? Um, and pray it from your heart. Lord Jesus. I know you got to pray it like it's your prayer, okay? So, Lord Jesus. All right, it's better. Uh, we choose to surrender all of our life to you and to you alone. We profess that you are our Lord. You are our God. You are our King. You are our President. You alone are our source of life. You alone are the source of our confidence and our security and our peace and our love and our joy and our very identity. We commit to living under the dome in which you are king. And we commit with the power of the Spirit to living a life that's patterned after Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, to protect us, to keep us from being distracted, to keep us from being polluted by the toxic atmosphere that envelops us. Purge our hearts. Make our vision singular. Make our passion only towards you. That we may be a people who put on display to the world around us the beauty of your character and of the kingdom that we are ambassadors of. In Jesus' name. And all the ambassadors said. All right, you guys. God bless you. Go out and ambassadorize on the world.